0: And then I have another one, a really cool one. But I want I want to see if you want to say something in between.
1: You're on autopilot. Go ahead. <laughs>
0: <Yes>. <laughs> I prepared. You see, that's what happens when you prepare.
1: <laughs> You're walking the talk.
0: Yes. I try at least. I think that's a really important one.
1: Oh. Hey, don't forgetters! Welcome to the next episode of the Don't Forget Yoga Podcast. Helping memory-challenged yoga teachers absorb yogic wisdom with music, mantras, and and mnemonics. First, I just want to say sorry I've been away for a bit. I've had some blessings come through from my photography business, and I had to take advantage of them in a timely manner. And it was kind of overwhelming, but I've been consolidating a lot of my portfolios from over the years. And since yoga photography is one of my offerings, one of my main ones for a lot of that time, I've been looking at lots of my yoga photographs and remembering all of these amazing yogis that have passed by my camera lens over the years. And I was realizing I've also photographed all of the guests that we've featured on this show so far. And That's not a requirement to be a guest, but it's a result of me starting this podcast with episodes featuring my 2011 Mukti Yoga teacher training uh, friends and fellow teachers and teachers of the teachers. <laughs> and I've had a chance to photograph all of them through the years, and I'm going to be putting some of those photos on our Don't Forget Yoga Instagram profile, which is at Don't Forget Yoga. Today's guest is another one of my fellow Mukti Yoga teacher trainees, but she's not teaching much Mukti Yoga these days. Instead, she lives in Bali, and she teaches aerial yoga, and she has a successful coaching business. Sounds like a really fun life to me. <laughs> but I'm going to let her introduce herself.
0: I'm Christine. I'm not going to pronounce my last name because it's a little tricky in English. I'm Christine. I always say it in German. And so when I have to refer myself into an English context, it's always like, I'm Christine. (laughs) (laughs) I'll leave it
1: with that. You need a mnemonic device to speak your name in English.
0: I think so. I would really love that if you could help me out here.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Furler is okay.
0: Furler is okay. Sounds so weird. Because you would say Furler in German. Furler. Yeah, but it doesn't matter. It's friller, and that's
1: perfect. (laughs) (laughs) On today's episode, Christine is going to share her number one method for showing up as a new yoga teacher. And then she's going to share four additional tips to help you take care of yourself and manage your anxiety when teaching. And the last one of these is really fun, so I hope you'll stick around to hear all of them. But first, I want to give you some backstory. So I asked Christine... How she ended up at the Jiva Mukti Yoga teacher training with me.
0: I was on my yoga journey, immersing into this um, whole beauty of yoga and its facets. And I took our first teacher training in 2009 in Mexico, um, in the Caribbean of Mexico. It was beautiful. It was a great experience. And that left me hungry for more. After that, I went to Switzerland, started to Look out for yoga studios, you know, that would teach what I learned. And I ended up in one that would teach Chiva Mukti yoga. And it was a Mexican woman who did that. So I found that really fun to stay connected and then looking for vinyasa, finding Chiva Mukti. And it blew me away first class. My, like, this is amazing. And I saw what she was doing and I saw how, you know, profound and a really deep, her knowledge and the way she was teaching was. And so I decided I want exactly that on top of my training.
1: Do you have any favorite memories from the training?
0: And <laughs> Yeah. I really do remember the intensity of the training, one of my favorite memories, because it's changed so much, you know, being in that pressure cooker for a month. And I do remember our initiation night really fondly, singing the mantra, um, getting the malas, sitting in that auspicious mood vibe of that night. That was so amazing. I've never had an experience like that ever again, Arthur. It's beautiful.
1: The initiation night that Christine is mentioning was towards the end of our training. We went into a candlelit room wearing our white satsang clothing and we formed a circle and the Jivamukti Mukti founder Sharon Gannon and David Life came round to all of us, all 100 plus students, one at a time, whispering the mantra in our ear. And it was the same mantra for everyone. And once we all got it, we chanted it together. It was a simple mantra, and it was one of the old and well-known ones from the Hindu tradition. There was a part of me that felt a little uncomfortable with the ritual, and then there was another part of me that felt the same beauty and depth that Christine describes. And that's a real reflection of my own spiritual journey. I'm always part skeptic, part mystic. After our teacher training in 2011, Christine gradually transitioned from working and living in Central America to teaching at yoga studios in Europe, and she decided to spend some time traveling in Asia, and when she landed in Bali, she immediately fell in love with it.
0: I made Bali my first real thing traveling Asia. And I fell in love with it. It was a bit of a thing. You know, I didn't really like it at the beginning. And Bali really makes you earn um, its um, beauty or it's just being in love with it. You really got to work for it. I realized that time and again. And so I kind of fell in love with it and started to find my tribe here in terms of yoga I was then already interested in the aerial field. So that was a new hobby that I started to pick up yeah, around maybe eight years ago. And then I realized that there is aerial yoga you can teach. And I found this amazing teacher in Bali. And so that's what ke- kept me coming back. And so um, I knew Bali is going to be something I want to stay on the long term at some point. Um, I started to create retreats that were connected to Bali. And uh, I was really in the middle of building up an Asia thing. And then the pandemic made me back up a little bit.
1: Christine was sustaining herself in Bali, teaching aerial yoga before the pandemic. But when the pandemic came, everything came to an end with group classes. So she pivoted back to one of her existing talents, and started to work more as a personal coach?
0: I did work as a personal assistant or um, business owners or CEOs or just um, company founders and stuff. I did that before I went into yoga, and I continued to do that simply because I like diversifying my um, things that I do. Um and my um, jobs that I'm connected to just keeps me a bit on my feet, you know, being connected to different realities. And so I kept doing that on a contract basis. So I would still work with um, these type of people, organizing them, supporting them, um, consulting them. And this um, also gave me a good base of income that I could go back to when I needed it or when I was in the mood for, or if I just wanted to stay, have a break from teaching. Cause teaching, you know, is, is also like, it can exhaust you. I need downtime from that.
1: The coaching business has blown up since the pandemic in case you haven't noticed. And it's been fascinating to watch. So I asked Christine how she views the popularity of coaching and if it is sustainable for so many people to be coaches these days
0: the coaching business blew up through the pandemic because people were looking for a possibility to still offer something. Others just saw their chance to sell their um, trainings, their coaching trainings. I found it is comparable to the yoga scene that blew up at some point and everyone become a yoga teacher. So now everyone becomes a coach. <laughs> and that's a good one because you are um, have carpenter experience yourself. I find that a really good example. It's with every profession. You do have many who do the same thing. So you have a lot of carpenters. You have a lot of doctors. You have a lot of gardeners. You have a lot of whatnot. You know, there are there in, in, in quantities beyond your imagination. And it really depends on how good you are, how serious you take your job, how much experience you have and how much you think that what you're doing is a genuine service to people. And there you go. Some are more and some are less um,
1: successful. Since Christina is a coach, I thought it would be fun to ask her what coaching advice she has for new yoga teachers.
0: Okay, so coaches shouldn't give advice. First okay. thing off, <laughs>
1: sorry, I, no, that's I messed okay. up already. <laughs> Christine is now going to reveal her non-coaching advice for new yoga teachers, which includes one method and four short tips for success.
0: I had one method, and I still recommend that, and is don't win your class. Always prepare. Never show up and just think you can do it, especially when you are a new teacher. Know your structure, your sequencing, what you're going to talk about. Like spend a lot of time preparing. I did that, and it paid off. It really did. Like it did pay off that we would repeat our mantras time and again, that we would repeat our sutras time and again. That stuff pays off. This is something you can't underestimate. Even if you have a talent for teaching, or even if you have a talent for yoga or whatever you have a talent for there, you still want to make sure you prepare. You know what you're doing. That saved me so many times. Because I don't know if everyone has that, but many do, at least many I talk to, this moment of complete blank. Everything's gone. Like, what am I doing here? What am I supposed to be doing here? Or if you have a weird encounter with one of your students before class or even during class, being able to fall back on a structure that you have rehearsed before is gold. Then you can go through this irritation and just fall back to, okay, what am I doing here? Where am I, where am I? Oh, yeah, we're sequencing. We're doing this. We're doing that. That's where I'm at, that class. I think that's a big one. And that's that was my only thing that I would always go back to. And I would admire those who could win classes, but just not prepare. And if I would start to investigate, no one actually did. It just looked like they would <laughs> they, would, they would become good at that stuff and be able to improvise or switch and change and adapt and just throw in, you know, some things on the go. But they would always have a plan. And so, yeah. Don't forget to plan your class. Because if you do, if something goes wrong, if something goes sideways and you don't have to, the, the time to do that, you've done it so many times before, you're able to pull up something, repeat something. Just throw stuff together. You can't do that if you have not planned class ever.
1: And now for my favorite part of the show, Christine's Christine's four four quick self-care tips for for new new yoga yoga teachers. teachers. Enjoy.
0: I came up with a bunch of things that I think are great to implement because they're short. They can be done anywhere. So that's super important. Like preparing class, this is a big thing. You need time. But there is short-term little tips and tricks that I want to give away um, that allow new yoga teachers to find a moment of self-care before they step into service. And so the first thing I come up with, and I think it goes really nicely into the why, is set your intention before you teach. And don't come up with a new intention every time you teach. Make it like a mantra. Like, why do you teach? What's your why? Get back to that. And it's certainly not being on a, uh, you know, on, on a performer's seat. Um, This is not, this is not about you. Find the why and then bring it back in before you step out on stage. It is a stage. I mean, this is very clear. You're the teacher. You're facilitating this thing. You're the entertainer, so to speak. But it's not about you. People come for what you teach the service that you provide, not for you. So this is not like a you-based thing. And I, I find when you are able to set that intention and have a moment of centering, okay, why am I doing this? And whatever that is for you, it takes you out of that pressure of having to perform. It makes you step back and just let the thing come through you. Yeah. <laughs> and I find that amazingly relaxing. Cause you realize, okay, this is not about me. I don't need to like, you know, perform here. I just convey stuff for people to have their own experience. What I also find is absolutely um, helpful is the, the breathing. Take a couple of deep breaths before you go. Even if you're on the subway or running late. I mean, that's when you really need that stuff. Just breathe deeply, get out of your head into the body. Find the discomfort in the body and just breathe into it. Again, create that spaciousness. It's all about relaxing down. And it's not far away from what you then will do for your students. Another little hack is to use the grounding or the introduction or the first couple of minutes where you do something with your students to bring them into the room. Do that for yourself. Bring in what you need. Breathe with your students, meditate with your students, ground with your students, put them into, I don't know, a child's pose because you need it, not necessarily because they do. Of course, because they do, but that's a great way of making yourself a part of your class. Easy, easy, you know, it is of service to everyone, but in that moment, it's of service to you because you then allow yourself to ground and just get into class. Breathe out and... Get into the zone, into the mode, into the mood of, of um, just letting that stuff flow through you and not restrict because you're so nervous and overwhelmed. Um, and then I have a last one. And that is a bit of a, I find that a really profoundly shifting one. Um, it might be a new concept for people. So I'm taking a little bit more time with that one. The last one is, and I have a name for it. You want to be your own parent, meaning you want to take all of the parts that are screaming at you when you step into class because you are overwhelmed, because, as you said, you might have a bit of an imposter syndrome going on, because you think you're not good enough, because you think, I can't do this, I will forget everything. All of these parts and take them by the hand. And ask them to co-create with you. And with that little, little tool, you see every part of you as, as being family. And they all have a say. And they all have, they're all in their own journey. You take all of these parts, take them down to hand, take them serious, and ask them to co-create with you. Ask them to be okay with just having you take the lead being the parent, and promise them that they'll be safe, that you you won't push them away. They're welcome here. They're welcome to come on the ride. So everyone is included. And that sounds a bit counterintuitive because normally you want those parts to go away and not be present, you know, especially not the imposter or the one that is completely overwhelmed and tends to forget things. But I promise you that if you take those in and make them a part of it, they will not bother you as much. They will be seen. They will feel comfortable and safe. So be your own parent. Take all of your parts at hand. Take them with you. Allow them to be part. Because they're only screaming at you, event- like ultimately, eventually, because you don't want them to be there. That's not a very loud. Mm. And so that little thing is just like, okay, everyone, All and that sounds silly. I know that, but I promise you it's not because you have all of these parts.
1: I really love what Christine is saying here. And it's something I hear from my therapist friends too. We have to integrate all of our parts because they're still out there reacting to something that happened to us years ago. The love we didn't get, the people that broke our heart, the times we felt abandoned. These are the parts of our psyche that develop to help us through Those stressful times, when we were younger and smaller and more helpless, physically perhaps, and those parts of us are still trying to protect us in the way that they learned how, they don't know that we've developed more balanced strategies to navigate the world. And so they're just trying to protect us. And if we acknowledge them, that protection and that impulse, and see them as our Child self that we want to protect and nourish and bring with us on this journey, then they can feel safe and they become our allies again, or our children, as (laughs) Christine says.
0: (laughs) I love that one, it's my favorite one because it is, you know, it goes so well with all of the yogic teachings, it goes so well with you being a teacher being a facilitator of a yoga class you step in the role of a parent in a way you know you lead people and how can you lead people if you don't know how to be a leader or a parent or a caretaker for yourself so that, that beautifully goes into that topic that's why i do like working with with, with the yoga teachers movement teachers teachers of all kind Because the concepts go so well together, taking care of yourself so you can take care of others.
1: So you could set up a mat for your anxiety and set up another mat for your... Yes! (laughs) authenticity, self and go over and give them little assists during the class
0: <laughs> oh my god that's so cool i love that they and then eventually they want to come to class and want to be part of it they're going to be like all happy but that's so sweet i love that i can see the picture of like five you know five six empty mats <laughs> like no, this one is taken. This is my anxiety. <laughs> it wants a strap as well. Need straps today. I love that. I love what you just said because right. you can become creative with that. There's no limit to creativity as long as you stay loving and inclusive. Do whatever you need to to get in touch with that.
1: Well, I'm super happy Christine came on and shared her wisdom. I taught a class the other day, and the front desk person set up their mat, but then they couldn't make it into the class. So I was looking at the mat and imagining my existential angst doing downward dog on it. And I said, angsty, you need to soften your heart and lift your sits bones. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, well, Christine Furler is a transformational coach, facilitator, mentor, and she's an aerial yoga flow teacher. She can be found at her website, ChristineFurler.com, which is C-H-R-I-S-T-I-N-E-F-U-R-L-E-R.com. And on Instagram, Christine Furler.
0: Yeah, so very easy. And you can always reach out to me. Always. like. I'm very, um, I'm a, I'm a big fan of personal communication, be it email or, you know, these DMs or whatever you find most convenient.
1: DM me. <laughs> it's time to go. I'll see you later. Don't forgetters, we'll be back sooner than you know it. Thanks for listening to the Don't Forget Yoga Podcast. Your time and attention is deeply appreciated. Very deeply. If you like the show, please tell your yoga teacher friends about it or leave us a review. If you have a yoga mnemonic to share or anything else you want to talk about, I'd love to hear from you. Leave a voicemail at don'tforgetyoga.com right now during this guitar solo. Our listeners are the best. Until next time, refrain from being someone else's pain or disdain. Or disdain. Keep your third eye on, on the, game. the game. Meet each your lines, main. main. Train on your brain. brain until yoga yeah. easily remains. No, don't In other words, don't forget. No, don't forget. Don't forget it. Mnemonics.